everyone welcome to another episode of the beyond the verses podcast um i'm glad that you're joining me happy monday well i'm recording this on a monday and you might not be listening to this on a monday but whatever day it is that you're listening to you can insert whatever day it is into the happy monday part you know and just substitute the monday for whatever day you're listening to it i hope you're having a wonderful day and um I hope you're not too stressed out right now. I know I've been feeling a bit burned out lately, but, you know, taking it to the Lord and hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll be a lot stronger and better. Um, but yes, today we're going to be looking at a story in the book of Genesis, one that may be familiar to you, one that may not be familiar to you. Um, it's in Genesis 32. And I'm going to read specifically verses 22 to 37. And it says, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, along with all his possessions. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he answered, Why do you ask your name, or why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, he said, and I have been delivered. The sun shone on him as he passed by Peniel, limping because of his hip. That is why to this day the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket, because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. This story. Um, is has always been a very interesting one to me. I think right from when I was little, um, I may not have really understand um, understood it completely, but it, it just always fascinated me. You know, the thought of Jacob wrestling with a divine being, you know, and then having the boldness and the courage to say, "I'm not going to let you go until you bless me," you know, because it just showed that Jacob was aware, he was sensitive enough spiritually to recognize that he was not fighting or wrestling with a mere mortal. But he was wrestling with, you know, he was wrestling with God, you know, and he was like, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And God honored that because he was like, you know what? Yes, you have tried. You have wrestled with me and I'm going to give you that blessing. But um, that's not even really the main thing that we're going to be talking about today. Um, I just I had written down like five takeaways from this particular passage. And of course, it's not an exhaustive list because I'm just one human being, you know, but it's just things that I, they are just things that stood out to me, you know, and I just wanted to share. Uh, number one is that God is there with us, even in the deepest, darkest struggles that we are facing. Jacob was in trouble. At this point of this story, you know, Jacob had finally been let go, like Laban had finally let Jacob go, you know, because Jacob was fed up with being treated unfairly and being cheated over the years while living with his father-in-law. And now he was on his way to meet up with his brother, 
whose birthrights he had stolen when they were much younger. And if you remember earlier in the book of Genesis, it was like Esau wanted to kill Jacob because Jacob had deceived him so terribly and had stolen a phenomenal blessing from him, you know, because he had lied and deceived their father Isaac. And Jacob was on his way to meet, <laughs> was on his way to meet this person who he had wronged so badly. But even in that, you know, we can see that everybody, every living thing experiences trouble in this life. And, you know, but even in the midst of that trouble, even in the midst of that situation that Jacob was in, God still appeared to him. God still showed his face to him, you know, because Jacob named the place Peniel because he said, for I have seen God face to face. So it was like in the midst of that trouble, God still showed up. So I don't know whatever trouble that, you know, you might be facing, but just be comforted by the fact that no matter where you are, no matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what trial or tribulation you're going through, that God will show up. God is showing up. He will never just leave us alone. He will hold our hands through it all and guide us, you know, where we need to go and help us get through it. Number two takeaway is that um, Jacob speaks with the unknown man that he wrestles with. They have three conversations in total, even. And the lesson here is that in the midst of our struggles, we are able to speak with God. So it's not that God will just show up. He not only shows up, but he also creates an avenue where we are able to speak to him. Now, we believers of today, we are no longer you know, under the Old Testament law, we have a new, um, we have a new order of things that we are under. And so we have direct communication with God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. His death and his resurrection served as, um, served as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Serves as a, you know, a sacrifice um, and Jesus serves as our mediator. So he brought about reconciliation. Yes, that's the word that I was looking for. Um, Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection served as a reconciliation act between God and man. And it restored that relationship that was broken in the Garden of Eden. Right? And so because of that, we are able to speak to God. We don't have to go to a high priest. To offer sacrifices on our behalf we don't have to go to a moses and say oh help me ask god this we can come to him directly in our bedrooms in our cars wherever the case may be we can speak to god we can journal our prayers to him we can pour out our hearts to him um, and so in the midst of our struggles we are able to speak to god and because we are able to speak to god he hears us. It's not a one-way communication. It's not just us talking, but he speaks back to us. We can see that they have a conversation. A conversation is not something that happens with just one person. A conversation has to have more than one party involved. And so we see that God speaks to us. He shows up and he speaks to us and he listens to us and he hears us, even in the midst of our struggles or whatever it is that we are wrestling with. Number three takeaway is that God transforms us through our bitter experiences, giving us hope. After Jacob wrestles with this man, God changes his name to Israel, which means God protects. And of course, when I keep on saying this man, I don't literally mean an, an actual man. You know what I'm trying to say, but it just makes it easier. Um, but God changes his name to Israel, which means God protects. And God blesses him 
after he has wrestled you know and you know in the bible it says um your name will no longer be jacob it will be israel because you have struggled with god and with men and have prevailed and so we know that jacob's name actually meant deceiver right and so we see that obviously there's that element of what we name our children or what names we carry actually do play a very important role in how our lives turn out i mean i don't think it always works that way but then i do think it's it's very important the names that we give ourselves the names that we carry what we use to identify ourselves with because his name meant deceiver and jacob was a big time deceiver you know he he was a deceiver he came from deceivers as well you know another episode we'll talk about generational patterns you know just looking at the book of genesis itself you know just seeing how children took on their parents negative and positive traits you know but yes god changes his name which means god protects and so you might we might be faced with a very difficult situation and sometimes it's it's easy to say god why would you do this to me why would you put me in a situation like this but more often than not the reason why god allows us to go through certain things is because he wants to refine us he wants to transform us he wants to to prepare us for what he's about to hand over to us a lot of the experiences that are handed to us serve as training ground for that which lays ahead and so you might be going through a very difficult season right now um and i don't know everybody has different you know degrees of difficulty but difficulty nonetheless and you might be going through a very difficult season right now but then what you can focus on is that at the end of the day there is hope because god is going to transform you you are going to come out with a different name with a new identity you're going to come out stronger with a stronger faith with stronger resilience with more hope and faith in god and more trust in him because he will refine you and that you realize that when you encounter problems in the future it's not that you wouldn't have any problems anymore it's not like when you go through this season the next seasons are just going to be wonderful and and, and amazing no it's just that when the next difficult season comes you remember you can cast your mind back to saying god showed up for me god spoke to me he heard me he gave me a new name when i came out of that rough patch and so i can trust that he will do the same for me in this in this other season that i may be struggling with number four takeaway is that if we call on him in our difficult time of struggles he will answer and hear us even through the darkest hour of our lives um i think i've already kind of touched on that so i'm not going to repeat myself but yes the important thing is when we we are faced with difficult situations um you know who we should go to is god it's a lot easier to focus on the problem rather than focusing on god because the problem can look so mighty but we also have to remember that our god is bigger than our problems our god is bigger than any anything that we think may be too big to swallow us and that's the beauty of it we don't have to deal with it ourselves we have a god who is willing to take our burdens jesus literally said come to me all you who are heavy laden and burdened and i will give you rest we have a god that is willing to carry our burdens literally you know and he literally did that on the cross so we don't have to deal with all of the with with our struggles um alone because we have god um number five in your daily struggles with life do not worry jesus tells us not to worry 
Anytime you worry, you become unproductive and worry reduces our ability to trust God. Now, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a huge worrier, right? I struggled, you know, and sometimes I still struggle with anxiety because I'm one of those people, and I'm sure there are many of us who, who like to have things planned out. You want to know where X, Y, Z is going to take you. But God doesn't work that way. God doesn't reveal the big plan to us. Because if he does that, then we're not going to need him. Because we already know where we're going to end up. But he gives us little, little instructions along the way. You know, and he says, okay, just follow, do this. You know, and then when you do that, then another door opens. And another door and another door. And there's also, you know, when we look at the news nowadays, all of the news channels are filled with, you know, um, conversations about the war the russian in in uh the sorry the russian attack on ukraine and how people are having to emigrate to different countries to seek refuge and shelter and in the midst of that there's still racial discrimination people are dying children are dying people are starving people are are cold they are homeless you know then there's covid19 then there's the new variants that are coming out then there are other epidemics ever smaller epidemics that are um you know happening alongside the global pandemic and then we have in nigeria here there's fuel scarcity you know fuel prices are on the increase food is the price of food is increasing the cost of living is getting higher but our wages are remaining the same or perhaps maybe even going lower and it's just constant worry you know you're filled with so much negative news that you can't help but worry you cannot help but worry And we will not be human beings if we didn't worry. But the thing is, Jesus tells us that we don't need to worry, you know. And it's not that he doesn't understand that there is is pain in the world, that there is suffering in the world. I like to think about the moment at the Garden of Gethsemane when, you know, Jesus was about to be taken. Judas was going to come any moment from then and take Jesus and and kiss him and say, this is the one. And Jesus knew was about to come and he prayed to God and he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thou will be done. In that moment, Jesus was anxious. He was in pain, but he was worried because it was a, it was a hard thing to do. But at the end of the day, he, he also understood something important, which was it was God's will that he came to do, nothing else. So in the midst of our suffering and our pain, God is telling us not to worry, not to worry because worry makes us anxious and anxiety immobilizes us. Anxiety doesn't move you to action. Anxiety keeps you in place because you're so filled and consumed with thoughts of of what if, what if, thinking of all the worst possible scenarios and you aren't even being moved towards action because anxiety is from the devil. It's not from God. And this is one of my favorite verses in the bible matthew six thirty four, when jesus says therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble if you're a nigerian what jesus is basically saying is like problem may be finish like and if you're not nigerian that just means like problems are never ending you know there would always be a problem there would always be something new that pops up So he's saying today, focus on today. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. 
It doesn't say give us this week. It doesn't say give us this month. It doesn't say give us this year. The prayer itself says give us this day. It's it's you basically putting your trust in God and saying, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know what's going to happen 10 years from now. I don't know where my five-year plan or whether my five-year plan is even going to actually work out the way I want it to. But I'm asking that you give me this day what you have planned for me. And so we shouldn't be anxious about tomorrow because tomorrow already has enough problems. But what we need to do is trust that because God is there for us and he comes through for us, we don't have to worry. Now, there's a difference between worry and concern. When the Bible talks about us not worrying, it's not saying don't have any feelings of concern you know, about certain situations. It doesn't mean don't be concerned about the racism that's prevalent in our world. Don't be concerned about the in like the discrimination, you know, the different forms of discrimination in our society. It's not saying don't be concerned about the depraved acts of humanity that are taking place, the war crimes, you know, um, genocide, rape, um, you know, um, child abuse, all of those things that are happening, abortion. Do not be concerned about those things. But God is just saying, don't let those thoughts consume you because the truth is like this, the world that we live in, there is going to be pain. There is going to be suffering. I feel like I didn't even plan to go on this tangent and I'm just going off, but you know, let's go with it. Let's run with it. Um, There's going to be suffering in this world. Yes, be concerned. Do not let your heart go cold because it's easy for us to become desensitized to wickedness because we see it every day. But God is saying, you know, Just don't let it eat you up. Don't let it consume you. Because we have a hope that we are looking forward to. As believers, we know that this world, we are just passing through. This is not our permanent home. We don't have to put all our stock in here. Yes, in our own different spheres and, and, you know, career paths and wherever we find ourselves, whether you're a a homemaker or you're in, in the, you know, you're in public office or you're a government worker or you're you're a customer care worker or whatever it may be in your own little sphere of life enact change be a change maker everything that we we are entrusted with is the is an opportunity for us to 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 show the love of christ you know so do what you do best well and speak out against any injustice that you notice don't be afraid to say the right thing because you want to seem politically correct you know um the difference between, and I think the most, the most, uh, the scariest thing about worry is that worry reduces our ability to trust God. And I was having a conversation with an uncle of mine the other day, and I confessed to him, like, I worry a lot. And I feel like it's me just not having enough faith in God. And, and it's good to have those kinds of inner moments of self-reflection, because it's, it's good for you to analyze where you are at and try to figure out, why am I worrying so much? Is there a particular cause for this worry or is it is it is it just something like how what can i god help me show me the way you know the difference between worry and concern is that worry immobilizes us but concern moves us into action so yes let us be concerned about the things of this world but let us not allow ourselves to be filled with anxiety over them that cripples us and causes us to not be able to go out and do that which god has sent us to do and so yes um and um lastly i mean those are the five takeaways that i i took but when i was reading it again now you know i just remembered when 
Jacob was like, for I have seen God face to face and I have been delivered. There is something about encountering God, you know, that transforms your life. Jacob says, I have been delivered. And I like to think that he's saying he has been delivered from his old life. His name has been changed. And it's not even just a name change, but it's literally an identity change. Because his name went from meaning deceiver to meaning God protects. And from him came a lot of descendants. You know, God extended his line through Jacob, right? So God gave him a new name. God gave him a new identity. God changed his life, transformed his life, you know, essentially delivered him from his past mistakes and gave him a new opportunity to be the man that God needed him to be. And so this is why, you know, it's important to have your own personal encounter with God. Don't just rely on what a pastor has said or what a friend has said or, you know, or what you've read in a book. Like those are all great because it's good to hear from other people because it builds up our faith. I love, you know, sermons and books and conversations with friends. But if you feel like you haven't had that personal encounter with God, I will encourage you to pray to God. Say, God, I want a visitation from you. Let me encounter you in a way that I never have before. Something that would make me know that you are real, that I can feel you tangibly, you know. Um, and it, it may not necessarily be like you would have this burning bush type vision that Moses had. Um, and it may not be anything crazy. It may be something very seemingly inconsequential to you. It might be very simple, you know. You may not hear a loud booming voice, whatever the case may be, but I promise you, when you encounter God, you will know. And your life will never be the same again. No matter how far off the rails you go, when you have encountered God for yourself, I strongly believe that something, the Holy Spirit will always pull you back and you will find your way back to God. And so my prayer is that like in the same way Jacob encountered God and was radically transformed from this single encounter, is the same way that every single one of us will encounter God and be radically transformed and that we will not just encounter God one time and just move on with our lives but that we will keep on encountering him in wonderful ways as we grow in our faith ways that will just make our life and our walk with him just mu- that much more sweeter um, oh wow this was a lot longer than I planned for it to be but um, I'm thankful that you know I'm thankful for this platform that I've been given and thank you for listening all the way to the end with me and I hope you have a wonderful day today and I pray that this has encouraged you if you've just been struggling or you're in a dark place or you just need a reminder of how much God loves you and God cares for you. I hope this encourages you and has blessed you. Thank you and have a wonderful day. See you next time. Bye.